Good morning. What a beautiful Sabbath. We always think of beautiful as weather, but it's good to be in the house of God. My wife Renee and I became members of this church just a few weeks ago, and I'm preaching the sermon. They put you to work fast here. When Pastor Ron asked me, I said, shouldn't I attend new member orientation, kind of get a view? He said, there's a great view from the pulpit. <laughs> it really is. And of course, we want to give greetings to everyone on the live stream as well. Glad you're with us. When deserts bloom, it's a new year. You know, when you travel the world, you'll find some climates that may not be to your agreement. There's some really dry places with dramatic blossoming of flowers that most year remains forgotten. Did you know that uh, the media has called these events Bloomageddon? When we get a lot of snow, it's Snowmageddon, Rainageddon. Well, they have something called Bloomageddon that occurs around the world about every 10 to 15 years. You'll find it in the high desert of Peru and Chile. And here in the western United States on the border of Nevada and California, there's an arid area that is so dry that normally it doesn't get but a dozen visitors during the year. But all of a sudden, there'll be a deep, long, nourishing, soaking rain. And when the rain falls and reaches the bulbs and the seeds that are under that parched earth, and they're allowed to soak just a little bit with that moisture, it will create a riot of color. And in fact, places where hardly anyone comes out for a decade or two, now all of a sudden they have to have tourist control. The phenomena can be seen, it's true, I read it on the internet. <laughs> the phenomena can be seen from the space shuttle when they were flying, or the International Space Station. Imagine, from epic nothingness comes this abundant life. These wastes, all of a sudden, have to be limited to people. Flowers from deserts, beauty from barrenness, life where there it would seem there's none. Happy New Year, we all say, right? I've been wished Happy New Year quite a few times in the last few weeks, like you. Finally, someone said it once too many times, and being now the old curmudgeon, I said, I doubt it. I really do. 2023 was a lousy year for me, personally. It was rough. And then, looking at 2024, while I'm looking at 2023 in the rearview mirror, I'm looking now through the windshield, there's a real uneasiness. What happened in Japan on the first day of the year? Earthquake, rock slides, mudslides, people taken away into eternity. Natural disasters around the world. New York City just got rocked by a small earthquake. The economy, people are saying, this will be the year of the worst financial disaster since 1929. Some of us are still scared from the pandemic. I work in healthcare. There are folks that don't want to be seen in person. They want to use that virtual. But if I see a skin cancer on your cheek, I cannot reach through the screen. And they're thinking, they're saying, I'm coming eventually. I'm coming soon. But they don't want to come out of the house. Hey, guess what? It's an election year. I don't watch the news so much anymore, do you? You feel better? Like, wow, that was clean and happy and cheerful. 
Gesundheit. In Isaiah chapter 43, we'll find these wonderful verses here. Isaiah 43, that was read so kindly to us. Look at verses 18 through 21 once more. The Bible tells me different. It says, do not remember the former things. Victor, stop dwelling on the past. Learn lessons, but you need to move forward. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a what? A new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will make a road in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. The beasts of the field will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches. I will give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the drink. Drink to my people, my chosen ones. Do you like that? You know, when you read scripture, you'll find that the most meaningful passages in the Bible were not written while someone was sitting at a resort in Jamaica. They were not on vacation. Life was not easy. In fact, I would argue that Psalm 23, one of our greatest psalms written by David, were written while under the greatest duress. Where did God take his people when he wanted to teach them important lessons? To the desert. Where did Jesus go when he needed to have time with meditation to the desert, to the wilderness, to get away. In the difficult place, there was a place to grow. Now, turn with me in your Bibles to our foundational scripture for this morning, Matthew chapter 4, and I want you to look at verses 1 through 11 with me. We're going to go through three significant passages this morning, and we're going to tie them in a gift in a way that I hope you can use for this coming year. Matthew chapter four, verses one through 11. It's the temptation of Jesus Christ. It's recorded only in Matthew and Luke. Mark alludes to it. John, well, John has his own agenda, doesn't he? And I'm glad he did. Quick observations as we go through this, shall we? It says, Jesus was led up by the Spirit, verse 1 of chapter 4, into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil when he had fasted 40 days and nights. Here's the great understatement in Scripture. He was hungry. Now, when the tempter came to him, he said, key word, if you are the Son of God, command these stones to be bread. He answered, it's written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Devil took him up to the holy city. He set him on the pinnacle of the temple. He said, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. Now he uses scripture himself. He shall give his angels charge over you and in their hands they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against the stone. Our Sabbath school class with Andy Nash, you had mentioned Andy, that was presumption. A good example of presumption is Heavenly Father, I pray that you guide and direct me in robbing this bank. May the police officer's bullets fly from me and help me get at least a million dollars. That's presumption. Jesus said to him, it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Verse 8, again the devil took him up to an exceedingly high mountain. He showed him all the kingdoms of the world, the glory. He said to him, all this, and this is so cringy. I, I mean, really, it's, it's super uncomfortable. Love me. Worship me. Who wants to be in a relationship like that? Just say you love me. Just say it. 
hang in there. All these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me, Jesus said, away with you, Satan. Away with you. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. The devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Remember this passage. Now, does Satan come to discourage us when we are leaving Acropolis Grill? I've had my strawberry cake. I've had my wonderful eggplant parmesan. Is he hitting us on Christmas morning necessarily when there's abundance, when there's gifts, when we don't have to be at work? Oftentimes, it's during discouragement. When Jesus responded to the devil, there were two things that seemed to be happening in my perspective. Number one, fanatical loyalty to the Father. That was the one thing that he was not going to let go. Come what may, he would not let his Father down. Number two, Martin Luther, 500 years ago, standing before the papal representatives, all the priests, the learned men. How can you by yourself be so different and stand in the way of our knowledge? He said, I stand upon the word. I stand upon the word. In every answer, there was a determined loyalty to the Father and to Scripture. Any Georgia Bulldog fans here? How's that for a transition? Any? Probably don't want to really admit, oh, there was a little hand there. You kind of had it rough. You finally learned this year what it was like to lose a game, right? I went to Vanderbilt. We were kind of always wondering what it's like to win a game. But you know what you call a Vanderbilt linebacker at the end of the season? Doctor. But anyway, um, <laughs> in our insecurity, we have to have a little humor. But for the record, it was the Monday morning after the Georgia Bulldogs finally lost a game a few weeks ago against the um, team in Alabama there. The elephant. What do they call? Oh, Crimson Tide, yes. And my first patient was a lady and her daughter. Both of them had their Georgia Bulldog red, and they were not happy people. I said, how can I talk to you about your acne today? Well, we're just really upset. We lost over the weekend. I said, you know, um, maybe it was time. I, you know, it's football. Eventually, you lose a game. No, no, she said, I absolutely will tell you what happened. Nick Saban, who is the coach for the Alabama team, the Crimson Tide, he probably, and I believe this with all my heart, she said, he paid off the refs for some bad calls. He's going to buy each ref a house of their own. You know, conspiracy theories come and go, but this one was up there. I tried to laugh, and they just stared at me like, this is the gospel truth. Well, I tried to move on to the dermatology aspect, but, you know, she was absolutely loyal to that. Find a Christian who loves God like this woman loves her college football team, and you'll be okay. It is a religion, college football in the South, but find someone who's as fanatical and in love with the Lord as they are with their iPhone. First thing you reach for in the morning. First thing you think of before, uh, you know, there's a little buzz. You have to answer it right away. There it is. That is our everything. 
We're going to tie three things together this morning, three biblical events, and talk about life blooming from the desert. First, we already mentioned the temptation of Christ. The second, turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 3. It's the chapter right before the one we just read. It's the baptism of Christ. Look at Matthew 3, verse 13. Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized. John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. You're coming to me? Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And he allowed him. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. Behold, the Spirit of God descended like a dove, alighted upon him, and suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Listen very carefully. For every one of us here and online this morning, regardless of your background in 2023, in spite of your failures, no matter the sin or the shortcoming, there stands a heavenly Father who loves you. No matter what, you can change your name, you can travel to a far country, you can alter your disguise, he will count you as his child and he will always love you. You are his beloved son and daughter. Well, he only said that to Jesus because it was his son and he's perfect. In Daniel, we read twice in chapter 10, O Daniel, man greatly beloved. Well, yeah, but Daniel was upstanding his whole life. Who was it that was a man after God's own heart? A murderer and adulterer named David. As we go into this new year, you're going to have whispered in your ear that which Satan did boldly to Jesus' face. To do things that are not of the path of God. To turn away from that which we've been instructed is right. To live a life that is apart from the life giver. We will also have whispered in our lives the voice of God. Sometimes it's not a whisper. It's a crash. It's a flash. It's thunder rolling. I want you to know for whatever happens in 2024, there is this God in love with us. I am not and never was a perfect father. I believe my sons are here this morning. Boys, I remember they're in their 30s, wherever you are. I remember this gold chest and how they used to run down the aisle. We miss Ken Rogers. I loved Ken Rogers. I think of him often. And the boys loved him too, and he would be sharing a message from this pulpit. I made a lot of mistakes. I still do. I'm human. But they make for great illustrations today, I suppose, and lessons. One thing I always told my boys, and I always say in our family, since the day we were founded 41 years ago at an altar at McDonald Road Church, it's the closest thing an Adventist can have to a Hindu mantra. I don't know how else to get around it, but this is what I always say. There is a God, 
He loves me and he has a plan for my life. I can't think of anything that might have been much different than what Jesus was experiencing in the wilderness than there is a God, he loves me, and he has a plan for my life. There he was in that relative backwater in Nazareth for since age 12, over 20 years, almost 20 years, and uh, now he goes out into the wilderness after the baptism, and he experiences this wonderful opening of the heavens. Go with me again to Matthew chapter 3, and look where it says, verse 17, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. The water is cool. It's probably an oasis. He's surrounded by friends, distant relative, and John. And then, in verse 3 of chapter 4, He's facing the devil. Just a few verses. What would you say? Two, three verses? And what is the devil saying? If. He just heard where the Godhead was all together. The Holy Ghost, the Father, there's the Son. And now he's facing his wilderness experience. 2023 might have been good. All of a sudden you're in 2024. Now your desert is dry. Where's the life? Where's the refreshing rain? If I was on a trip to Israel with my friend Andy, Cindy, our wives, Renee was there. We were leading a tour. And one evening, I was on uh, our own. We were doing a little exploration, and I got a taxi driver. His name was Mohammed, of course. And we were in Jerusalem. And um, he was asking questions of us, and we were answering and asking him questions. And uh, we talked about Jesus. Very quickly, it turned, he wanted to share his faith to me. I was enjoying it. I wanted to share things too. And this is what I said to the uh, taxi driver. I said, Muhammad, I'm coming to your house tonight. What time can you pick us up? He said, you would come to my house? I said, absolutely. It's Ramadan. I know as a Muslim that uh, he would very much enjoy having a non-believer, an infidel. That's part of the Ramadan experience for a Muslim. My wife, meanwhile, wives, do you do this to your husband or is it just me? As I'm saying, hey, I'm coming to your house, she's pushing on my foot with hers, right? She's got her fingernails in my knee like, what are you doing? I said, it's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. He picked us up at six. I said, am I paying for this or is this on the house? Just want to get that straight. Oh, he said, uh, this is, I'll drive you safely to my house and back. We went to Bethlehem where he lived. For three hours, we talked about our families, our lives, and our religion. And it came down to Jesus. It came down to he could not make the leap in spite of even what the Quran says about him and how in the last days Jesus figures in Muslim theology in the final days he is the one that is Lord and Savior that comes to make things right but not quite the Son of God in my heart. In 2024, it may be that you come to a place where you cannot quite make Jesus your Lord and Savior in your heart. You will wonder if he really cares for me. If God is love, why is my world falling apart? If God is real, why can I not get the actual answers I need? If God is powerful, why won't he stop the pain? Don't you think John the Baptist felt the same way? 
Because no, not only are we tracing Jesus from the baptism, trace John. Where does John go? To prison. His 2023 ended up very, being a very bad 2024. And what did he have to hang on to? There is a God. He loves me. And he has a plan for my life. He even called out through the disciples, ask Jesus if he's the one. Imagine. No different than us. Years ago, I was living in Miami, and a retired seaman, he had served 10 years in the American Navy, told me a story about how he was in a carrier group that was crossing the North Atlantic. They were surrounded by cruisers, destroyers, minesweepers. He was on the carrier itself. He said it was the most amazing sight to see the American naval power at its height. He said we were miles across and wide and deep. All of our training was at its best. We felt safe and confident that we were in no way to be conquered. When in the midst of this flotilla, this task force, all of a sudden, some hundreds of yards behind the carrier comes up a black conning tower with a red star on the side. And there in the midst of this task force is a Russian submarine. Had it been war, no one even knew that they were there. Talk about being in the desert. Talk about being at a loss. Talk about being sure of yourself and everything crumbling down. He said, we were so upset. You can imagine the things we said as sailors, as only sailors can say. They probably said, shucks. Gee willikers. I know that's pretty strong. I'm sorry. I apologize. But... He said, you cannot understand the absolute deflation we experienced watching that sub come from nowhere. And in the midst of all of this, some hundred yards, hundreds of yards behind the black Russian sub comes a gray sub. And the conning tower opens and here comes the American captain and his crew. They were trailing the Russians this whole time, unknown to them. The crew saluted to the carrier, and then the American captain turned, and he did this to the Russian. Russians went back down underwater, and the Americans went on to their job as well. We often experience the same in our lives. God, I'm alone. I'm in trouble. I don't know how to get out of it. This is beyond me. Listen, Jesus says, that's where I do my best work. How do we know this story is true? Not the Russian sub, but how do we know the story of the temptation really happened? Were any of the disciples there? No. But it must have been important enough that Jesus took the time in his ministry after calling the disciples to say, listen, I'm going to tell you something because what happened to me is going to happen to you. And the only way that you're going to survive what happened to me and what will happen to you is to do what I did. You've got to hang on 
as John the Baptist did, to the fact that there is a God. He loves you and he has a plan for your life. Hang on, stand upon the word. Though the heavens fall, do as I did, stand upon the word and remember that while you're in that desert and the voice of God is quiet, the last time he did speak to you, he said, you are my beloved. You are my beloved. You've got to cling while the desert appears barren or seems under threat. That's the one lesson that we have to take from 2023 into this new year. The devil? The devil always offers solutions to problems he helped create, didn't he? Did you gamble and lose? Well, steal some money. That'll make it better. Did you tell a lie and get caught? I've got a better life for you to cover for the first one. Did you get another man's wife pregnant? Why did you go ahead and send him into battle and have everyone else pull away and then he can be killed? No one will know. You know, my mom just turned 89. My dad's 95 next month. And uh, they're not in the best of health. Dad is sharp. I can't beat him in chess. Dad, let me win one game in my life with you, please. Oh, you got to earn it. Oh, I'm so sharp still at 95. But my mom, she's cheerful. I said, Mom, you would say something good about the devil. She'd say, well, he works hard. You have to admire, he's persistent. He is, isn't he? Works hard and being persistent and misrepresenting the God that we love. Maybe it's time we just didn't listen. You remember I told you we would tie three things together and we have so far two. I talked to you about the baptism. I talked to you about the temptation, but what really is the package? What is the gift and the bow that I want to put on all of this? Well, if heaven's declaration of independence was the temptation, did you like that? We're not having in our life, Jesus said, anything to do with you, Satan. Declaration of independence, living for the Father in his word, Jesus also said we have some truths that are self-evident. And where were they? The Constitution now. What is the Constitution of Heaven? Well, turn with me as we watch this desert experience bloom into something beautiful. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. We were in Matthew 3, 4. Now turn with me to Matthew 6. And I want you to see something that at one time we've seen before and you may find in your heart will move you as it did me. Matthew 6, go to verse 8. It says, Therefore, Jesus speaking, Sermon on the Mount, do not be like the Pharisees, for your Father knows the things you have need of in 2024 before you ask Him. So in this manner, therefore, pray. You know the Lord's Prayer, don't you? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Temptation number one. The devil said, turn these stones into bread. 
Jesus says, you, Father, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. The devil commanded, throw yourself off this temple. Jesus says in the Lord's Prayer, do not lead us into temptation. Deliver us from the evil one. And finally, Satan says, fall down and worship me. The cringe factor. And the Lord says in the Lord's Prayer, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. What Jesus went through in the desert experience was beyond our understanding. I cannot be tempted to make stones out of bread. It's not given to me as a mortal to have that kind of power. He had the worst temptation, for he could. But it moved him so much what he went through that he incorporated that story not only for our benefit in the gospel, but also in the Lord's Prayer. He touched on them because they were still on his heart and mind. And for good measure, he does throw in, deliver us from the evil one. Listen to me, brothers and sisters. My new family, again, it's good to be home. I don't know what this year faces us as a people, as a country, as a world, as a family, as an individual. We don't know. It's not given to us. But what is given to us is there is a God. He loves us. And he has a plan for our lives. We have to hang on with our very might. Jesus himself had to do the same the next three and a half years as he took that path that led to the cross, that bloody path, and to his death. And even he on Thursday night in the Matthew 26, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me in the desert? Where's the bloom? Take this cup away from me. And yet he, hang, he hung on to what he understood was right. As I close, I tell you a story. I travel to Ukraine since the war. I go with a group of doctors, my dear friends, I would die for them. Good people. Recently I was providing services before Thanksgiving in Kiev at a hospital for soldiers. I saw terrible things. It, it changed me. While I was there, a pediatrician came to me the first day. Her name was Vera. Vera said, I heard you speak Ukrainian. I said, I do. She said, I need you. We have a small wing dedicated to children. And, and there's a young man that I want you to meet. I said, what happened? She said, he was in Kherson. His father is in Bakhmut fighting at the front. His mother said, the rockets are getting closer today. Let's go to the basement. Take your brother Kolya, who's six years old. Mikita is 13. Here he is pictured with Dr. Larry from Asheville, North Carolina, who works at an Adventist hospital. Total coincidence. And as they went to the basement, just as they got there, a rocket hit the roof of their home, which collapsed on the first floor. And when the first floor came down, 
It crushed all three of them. The mother was unconscious for nearly three days, buried, but alive. And Nikita survived as well. But the floor fell in such a way that he could not move his head. It was trapped against the floor of the basement and the first floor wood that was holding him. He couldn't move. And directly in front of him, only when he opened his eyes, he could see the crushed dead face of his brother Kolya. How he loved Kolya. He could close his eyes, but then when he'd open them in the dim light, there was his brother. Vera said, do something. I said, what can I do? I don't know. We haven't been able to reach him for six weeks. He's gone through a number of surgeries, but his eyes are like black coals, and he hasn't said a word. He's in shock. Please come. And so, every day, at least three times a day, sometimes for an hour, at a time I would come and I would plead with this young boy, speak, Mikita, say something. Please come back to us. Your mother is here. She loves you. I love you. You need to heal. Tell us what is going on in your heart and mind. And he would just stare. I would hold his hands. I would bring gifts, toys. But even after five days, three times a day, nothing. I wish I had something miraculous, fantastic to tell you. And so I finally told him that I loved him, I prayed with him, and I said, I'm going back. I have to go home. I was home for five hours when I got on Messenger a picture from Dr. Vera and a brief message. She said, thank God. He's come back to us. The first thing he said was, what happened to the American doctor? He's starting to talk. He's beginning to heal. On his barren heart, there is a Holy Spirit that works to give life and water and the seeds and bulbs are beginning to bloom. We've had messages back and forth, Vera and I, and he's heading to another city, away from the fighting. I don't know what this year holds, but I know who holds it. And I know we will, as a family, hold each other as we remind ourselves that there's a God, he loves us, and he has a plan for our lives. Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending the gift of your son, Jesus, in our old, dry, barren hearts. I pray that you will make a renewal for 2024. Help us to trust you like we've never trusted you before. And when we come to that wilderness place, let us know that Jesus lives in our heart and coming soon to take us home. I pray for this Collegedale Church and, the pastor, and our pastor Ron and his wife Buffy that you would encourage them and help us to lift up their hands in this ministry. Thank you for the Sabbath. We pray this in Jesus' name. And the people said, Amen. Happy Sabbath.